0: Om sam sarasvati namaha namaste namaste uh, this evening on page 215 of the Chandipat we're going to begin the discussion of chapter 6 and if you remember correctly I'm sure you do uh, 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 Munda anger and passion went to self-conceit and he said hey you own everything that's worth owning. I mean, anybody who owns something says, "I own it. It's mine." And so uh, you own all the beautiful things. And and the most beautiful among the women is the goddess of welfare. And you should bring her to your house. So self-conceit called his ambassador. You, uh, he, he who appears to be a friend, and. Speaking with words dripping with honey, the ambassador went to the goddess and he said, Hey goddess, self-conceit is the master of the three worlds and he's the owner and the possessor of everything that's beautiful. He thinks you're really a beautiful lady and he would like for you to get down off that altar and come and sit with him while he rules the world. And the goddess said, you know, when I was a little girl and really foolish in nature and I was just so silly, I made this promise. And the promise said, whoever will defeat me in the battle and make me sit still, whoever will see the force of the universe as one within me, Whoever will surrender his self-conceit to me, he will be my husband. Uh, so tell self-conceit to come over here, do the puja, read the Chandipad, surrender his self-conceit, and he'll be mine. He and I will be one. But I'm not going of my own accord. So when... The ambassador went back to self-conceit and he told self-conceit this news that the goddess said, just come here and surrender to me and you will be one. I'll be yours and you'll be mine. He got mad. And then he th- told the ambassador, go and get that lady. And now he's going to start sending his generals. And the generals go to the goddess and they say, you can't just sit there on the altar. Come on down. Self-conceit is a very busy man. He's the ruler of all that's beautiful in this world. He is the doer of all action. He owns it all. Uh, Come on down and serve him. And. So let's see what happens. Chapter 6, and I think of the ultimate goddess Padmavati, who resides in the eyes of the lord of all wisdom, Vairabh. Her tender body is effulgent with the brilliance of the multitude of jewels on the hoods of the king of snakes upon whom she is reclining. So she resides on the reclining on the couch of Anant of infinity. Uh, She is resplendent like the jewels in the crown of Boshuki, And uh, she, uh, her luster is like that of the sun, the light of wisdom, the warmth of devotion. Her three eyes are brilliant. In her hand she holds a rosary, a gourd, a skull, and a lotus, and the radiant half-moon is the shining crown upon her head. And the rishi said, "I was just thinking about the gourd. It says a kumba, and uh, a kumba could be a gourd or it could be a gourd-like container. We often make a kamandalu uh, out of a kumba." Uh, So you've seen the the elongated water pot with a handle and a spout. Uh, Sometimes uh, they're made with gomuk, with uh, the mouth of a cow. And so it could be an actual actual gourd, it could be a pumpkin type, uh, or a squash. Or it's usually probably a water pot, a long skinny one. And Arishi said, after listening to the words of the goddess, the ambassador became very angry and, returning to the king of thought, gave a detailed explanation. Hearing the report of the ambassador, the king of thought became very indignant and, in great anger, he called the thought name. Sinful eyes, dumra-lochen. Dumra actually means smoke, and it means haze, and it means obscured perception. So dumra-lochen, he obscures all of our perceptions so that only everything we see, we see through the eyes of selfishness. Uh, and that's how he got the name sinful eyes because he puts, uh, uh, he clouds our perception with selfishness and then we think only about our own selves in every perception we see. And he said, Hey, Hey, sinful eyes! Go quickly, taking your army and grabbing that naughty one by the hair, drag her here. You can't just sit there on the altar enjoying the bliss of consciousness. Come on down and sit by the side of self-conceit. His self-conceit will know no limits when the goddess of all energy is sitting beside him if you come down from the altar and serve him your self-conceit will grow and grow and grow and if anyone stands up to defend her be he a god a semi-divine being or celestial being certain you certainly you will kill her Just kill anybody who stands up in her defense. Even if it's uh, some swami sitting on top of a mountaintop. If he tries to protect the altar, don't, don't, just go ahead and cut off his head. And the rishi said, receiving the command from self-conceit, sinful eyes, along with an army of 60,000 thoughts, immediately proceeded. Arriving there, he saw the goddess seated upon the Himalayas and defiantly shouted, Enemy! Go to self conceit and self deprecation! If you won't go lovingly to the side of my master right now, then I will grab you by the hair and forcibly drag you there! And the goddess said, You have been sent by the king of thought, and you yourself are extremely mighty. I mean, who can resist sinful eyes? You look through the eyes of obscure perception, and all you think about is selfishness. Along with you is a great army, and in this condition, if you take me by force, what can I do? But I'm not going of my own accord. The Rishi said, After the goddess answered thus, That fought sinful eyes, Attacked, And with the pronunciation of the mantra, The mother of the universe reduced him to ashes. You look inside our Hauenkun, You'll see piles of ashes. In fact, we take them out by the barrel. Uh, We shovel them out by the barrel to make room for more sinful lies. We just keep burning them and burning them and burning. And then in great anger, that immense army of thoughts and the mother of the universe began an exchange of arrows, energies, and battle axes. In all of this, the carrier of the goddess, the lion, shaking his mane in rage, with a frightful roar, jumped into the army of thoughts. Some thoughts died from the striking of his paws. Remember Dharma is striking out against the asuras uh, You can't have thoughts of sinful eyes. He's clawing them and beating them with his paws. Others from his jaws. Still other great thoughts were trampled by his hind legs and died from their wounds. Striking with his claws, he struck many in the stomach. <laughs> and by the sword, so many heads He severed. Shaking his mane, the lion cut so many arms and heads, striking the stomachs of some thoughts, that lion caused caused their blood to flow. Excessively angry, the carrier of the goddess, that extremely forceful lion, in but a moment annihilated that entire army of thoughts. When the king of thought heard that the goddess killed sinful eyes and that her lion eradicated the entire army, he became very angry. (laughs) His lower lip trembled with rage, and then he gave a command to passion and anger. (laughs) Hey, passion! Hey, anger! Hey Chanda, hey Munda! take a great army and grab that goddess by the hair and binding her. Tie her up. (laughs) Quickly bring her here. And if there is any doubt in bringing her here, then fight with all your weapons and with the entire army of thoughts and wound her. And after wounding that naughty one and her lion, bind that mother of the universe and return with her quickly. Oh. Well, sinful eyes couldn't do it. I'm anxious to find out what happened to anger and passion. Let's go on. (laughs) Chapter 7. On page 222 of the Chandipat. Let's meditate. I meditate upon the goddess Batungi, the embodiment of the mother. Sitting upon a throne of jewels, she is listening to the sweet sounds of parrots. <laughs> the color of her body is dark. She has one foot resting upon a lotus, and she wears a half-moon her, upon her head, wearing a garland of flower buds. She plays the strings of a She covers her body with a blouse and a red-colored sari with a yellow border. <laughs> it's that Rohit Mina. <laughs> with a yellow-colored sari with a red border in her hand is a cup made of conch shell from her face comes a slight sweet scent that causes intoxication and a brilliant spot of vermilion shines on her forehead om the rishi said in adherence to the command of self-conceit passion and anger set forth with Four divisions of their army of thoughts, well adorned with weapons in order, armor. And remember, they have infantry, they have cavalry, they have bowmen, and they have elephants, the armored cavalry. (laughs) Uh, So they have four divisions. And uh, passion and anger are going to make you passionate or angry. Actually, you get angry when you get passionate because you get passionate about something and you don't get the object of your desire and then you get angry and that frustration leads to hostility and that hostility leads to the enhancement of (laughs) self-conceit. On a high peak in the Golden Mountains, they saw the goddess sitting on her lion smiling with delight. Seeing her, the thoughts made ready to capture her. Uh, First they were sent to to drag her by the hair if she wouldn't come of her own volition. Now they've got to wound her and capture her. Uh, Some took up their bows, some raised their swords, some collected around the goddess to begin the fight. Then the mother of the universe became very angry with those attackers, and her face turned dark with rage. The eyebrows were scowling, and from her frowning forehead appeared the remover of darkness, with a terribly frightening face who was holding a sword and a net in her hand. She wore a leopard skin garment and a garland of human skulls. Her flesh had withered and she appeared as a skeleton of bones weighing 60 pounds. And she was very fierce. Oh, now she's 72 pounds. (laughs) We fattened her up in the last 30 years. She displayed fantastic missiles of consciousness, often depicted as... It's called katvung. And katvunga is a skull on top of a stick. And you hit people. (laughs) (laughs) If it doesn't scare you to death, then she beats them over the head. So we call them missiles of consciousness, and that's what they are. They're katvunga. Her mouth was immense. In fact, she could put everything, the whole world, came into her mouth. She's Bishwamukh, the mouth of the universe. And she brandished her tongue as a sword that caused great fear. The sharpest weapon in the world World is the tongue of a woman. (laughs) And her tongue scared everybody. (laughs) Shtriya hasamasta all women in the world reflect her nature entirely. That's not true. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. In the doghouse again. (laughs) Ah. She, her, her eyes were penetrating and somewhat red, and her fearful roar was humming in all directions. The remover of darkness Killed many great thoughts, and after destroying an army of thoughts in great haste, she began to eat them all. She has popped them in her mouth. <laughs> She's the mouth, the, the mouth of the universe. She is Mahakali. Mahakal is the great death. She is the dissolution, and all goes into pure Thomas. It all goes into the darkness of the void. She picked up elephants with one hand and put them into her mouth, together with their protectors, the driver with his gold, the soldiers and bells. In the same way, she took warriors, horses, chariots and their charioteers, and the entire cavalry of thought, she put them into her mouth and hideously began to chew. (laughs) Can you imagine all those thoughts? She just ate them in a gulp. Some fought she grabbed by the hair, others she crushed at the throat, still others she trampled with her feet, and others she killed by a stroke to the breast. She picked up the great weapons of that army in her mouth, and in fearful anger she ground them with her teeth. We should send her to Ukraine. She trampled that entire army of mighty and wicked thoughts and ate them all. Others she fiercely beat. Some fell by the blade of her sword, some were beaten by the missiles of consciousness, and some were crushed to death by her formidable teeth. In this way, that entire mighty army of thoughts was killed in a moment. They came wound her and bind her and drag her to self-conceit, and they ended up perishing into the mouth of the infinite. Seeing this, passion and anger, passion attacked that excessively fearful remover of darkness. Also that great thought, anger rained his extremely terrible arrows and hurled a thousand discuses against the fearful eyed goddess. Those discuses entering into her mouth shone like as a halo of light of the sun absorbed in many clouds. So she just opened her mouth and she caught all those discuses, all those weapons, everything they threw at her. She just opened her mouth and consumed them all. Then, with a frightful roar, the remover of darkness laughed furiously, her teeth radiantly gleaming in her fierce mouth. And then the goddess, mounting upon the lion, sees passion by the hair, and with a broad sword she cut off his hand. And seeing the death of passion, anger attacked the goddess, and then in terrible anger, stabbing him with her sword, she laid him to rest on the ground. The remaining army, seeing the death of the terribly valiant passion and anger, were overcome with fear and ran away. And thereafter the remover of darkness took the heads of passion and anger in her hands and she brought them to she who tears apart thought and spoke to her with a great laugh. I present to you two great beasts, passion and anger. Now in the war of sacrifice you yourself will kill self-conceit and self-deprecation. And the Rishi said, Seeing the heads of the two great thoughts, passion and anger, brought there, the goddess of welfare, she who tears apart thought, in sweet words, said to the remover of darkness, Since you have brought me the heads of passion and of anger, henceforth you will be known in all the worlds as Chamunda, the slayer of passion and anger. (laughs) (laughs) Om Samsar Swati. Now, let's stop here because there's a lot, a lot more going on in Chapter Eight that we'll want to take a little more time to discuss in our next session. So let's see if there's any questions about Chapter Six or Chapter Seven or about Tundi
1: in general. General question? We have a question from Sadatmananda in Washington. Namaste, Sadatmananda. Namaste. Why does Chandi burn sinful eyes with the hum mantra rather than purifying him with her weapons?
0: Well, what is the purest substance on the earth? We know that there are five mahabuts, five elements, earth, water, fire, air, and ether. Now, ether doesn't count because that's the space between the elements which allows the elements to move. If there were no space, then there couldn't be any movement. If there couldn't be any movement, there couldn't be any vibration. If there was no vibration, then what are we doing here? (laughs) There's no existence. So we won't talk about the ether right now. So you can have polluted water. You can have polluted air. You can have polluted earth. But you can't have any pollution in the fire. The fire is the purifier. It purifies until there's no more impurity. And the prasad of the fire, after fire has eaten, is ash and ash is the purest substance on the earth because you can't have impure ash. All the purity, all the impurities have been burned out of it. And that's why we uh, take a bashmasnan. We take the uh, we apply ashes to our forehead, and that's a blessing. Uh, we we uh, Shiva covers himself with ash because ash cannot be impure. It has many other meanings, too. Shiva covers himself in ash because it's the symbol of renunciation. I mean, can you think of a finer cloth to wear to the party than a, a cloak? Uh, the emperor had some pretty fancy new clothes. Uh, but Shiva's cloak was even nicer, just ash. So if you're going to put apply ash, it means you're applying purity the highest, the greatest substance. So she took sinful eyes and with the mantra, purified, cut the ego, she turned him into ash.
1: And that's why she made him into ash. Yes, please. We have a question from Nanda in San Jose. Namaste, Nanda Ma. Dear Swamiji, why is anger considered an asura? Do we not need to have righteous anger against injustice?
0: you can find Chandi getting angry and killing anger. But we're talking about the anger of selfishness, the anger who's the general in the army of self-conceit, where I'm out of control and I'm because I didn't get my way, I'm going to express my displeasure and my dissatisfaction because I want it my way. Uh, so uh, that kind of anger is what she burned uh, now when chandi gets angry she gets angry because of the impurity of the devotees that they are so attached to their impurity they won't give it up even when she comes and says all right that's enough give up your impurity she said, the, the devotees say no nope. No, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. I like being impure. <laughs> it's my body, I'll do what I what I want with it. <laughs> it's my mind, I'll think the thoughts I want. And she gets mad. She says, hey, look, you've got a beautiful guru and a beautiful ashram in a beautiful environment with a beautiful teaching and a beautiful example. Follow it. And devotees say, no, 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 I gotta be me. I want it my way. I'll have it both ways. I'll tell her I'm following and then I'll do it my way anyway. <laughs> Wouldn't she get angry? She would. She's, she's angry with the hypocrisy. The, the hypocrisy of the hypocrites. She's angry with the anger of self-conceit. But self-conceit's anger is angry with the world because the world is not observing his wishes. They are not surrendering to self-conceit as he wishes them to. I I would like to win the lottery, and it didn't happen. And it's a long, long time that I've wanted to win the lottery, and still they're not cooperating. Yes, please, Parvati. Okay, so in the Dianum, they talk about um, Padmavati.
1: Uh huh. And then they, then the rest of the chapter is describing Kali. Yes. So what is the relationship, then,
0: and why we meditate upon Padmavati? Padmavati is a form of Lakshmi, and she is, uh, she's got music, and she's got the the harmonies of the parrots. Uh, there is no relation between uh, the Padmavati in this chapter and the uh, uh, Mahakali in this chapter. But Padmavati is the presiding deity of the chapter because it's the chapter of grace, of harmony, of beauty, where we give up our passion, we give up our anger. Now the deities that they describe are the presiding deity over the chapter. They are not the main character who does the action within the chapter. They are the fruits that are acquired by fulfilling the Dharma of the chapter. Those are the meditations. So in
1: chapter six, it's talking about a different goddess, but then it just says...
0: Chapter six was Padmavati and chapter seven was Matangi. Yeah,
1: and then it just says the goddess in chapter six. It doesn't have yes. any more specific reference to... No, it's not pertinent information for
0: you. Okay. Uh, but her name is Padmavati. And it does say her name. Yes. I think of the ultimate godness, padmapati But she's not actual of, uh, the actual
1: slayer of doing
0: No, she is not. No, that's what I just said. She is the presiding deity over the chapter, but she is not the actor within the chapter. She presides over what you get for by adhering to the principles of the chapter, by giving up your sinful eyes, or matangi. And matangi is not only the embodiment of the mother, but she's also the embodiment of the mata, which is the, the, the quality of your mind. So we, when we give up our anger, we give up our misdirected passion, we are enhancing the umga, the, the embodiment of the pure mind.
1: Yes, please. We have a question from Vivekananda in Seattle. Namaste, Vivek. Namaste, Sadhana. Namaste. What is the significance of Kali coming out of Chandi's forehead?
0: Well, when we know many things come out of the forehead and that, uh, Shiva burned God of love from the forehead, from the third eye. There, uh, the, the, When she was scowling, she turned dark and then came out, uh, the, the, a Kali came out from the, the darkness of her forehead. So does it have any sp- specific significance? I doubt it. I, she had to manifest someplace. She manifested from the... The eyes of of, of uh, intuition, so the goddess who is uh, beyond uh, time, who removes all darkness, is an intuitive concept. She's not just a a, a mental construct.
1: We have a question from Moshami and Siddharth. And Namaste, Namaste, Moshami. Namaste, Siddharth. Pranam. Chapter seven describes a fearful, scary form of the mother goddess, which creates an awe. Is it implying that the that an awe-stricken bhakti is superior superior to a simple bhakti with love? Bhakti no, love. no. There, there, neither of the kinds of bhakti are superior. We'll finish your question. Uh, it, it was actually uh, superior to bhakti with simple love. I said, no, there's only one bhakti.
0: There's only one bhakti moshrami. And neither form or neither kind or manifestation of bhakti is preferable. And sometimes bhakti is awe-inspiring and it just sends us into this consternation. I just cannot fathom the immensity, the enormity, the magnificence of that awe-inspiring vision and other times she's simple like the mother and she wears a yellow sari with a red border and smiles and cooks and, and takes care of her kids. It's bhakti, is bhakti. And now, if you're overwhelmed by bhakti, that's fun. And if you're just uh, totally submerged in love, that's fun. And the ideal is to be in bhakti. Mother is showing us all the different forms of devotion throughout the chandi. She is a warrior mother protecting her children. She's fighting for the right. She's fighting on our behalf because we couldn't do it ourselves. The only way we can do it is to become her. The only way to become her is to do the sadhana and pray to her with bhakti. And now she's showing us, I can be fearful, I can be fearless, I can be beyond fear, I can be beyond darkness, I can be a remover of darkness, I can consume all the darkness, I'll take all the assurance, put them in my mouth and eat them. I'll do it. I, anything I can to take care of my kids. I'm going to take care of my children, my creation, my devotees. Any way you want to come to me, that's the way you'll find me. Yes,
1: please. How does she eat all our thoughts? Is it our devotion?
0: We think of her and... Everything goes? Absolutely. As we continually think about her, how can you think about the other thoughts? If you find your mind is roaming, you grab that mind and bring it back and say, hey mind, hey thoughts, let Kali eat you. (laughs) Let mother devour you. Now, if I see the thoughts being devoured by the mother, now, what do I think about? I'm thinking about mother. I'm thinking that thought tried to run away, and I brought him back, and I gave him to mother, and mother ate him.
1: Thanks, Mom. <laughs>
0: And every time I have another thought, and the thought runs away and says, come with me, Swami, don't stay here in the temple. We'll leave your body there, but you come with me and we'll go travel around the world and we'll have so many experiences. You can go see so many movies. I I say, Mom, would you eat that thought? (laughs) I I, I don't want to go with him. If I go with that thought, who knows when he'll bring me back. What kind of a thought is he gonna t- take me in? Yeah, he's gonna give me to another thought, and he'll give me another thought to pass me around from thought to thought. I want to be thoughtless. Would you eat all the thoughts, please? <laughs> Ava must do. <laughs> yes, please.
1: This is a question about the 108 names. Sure. At the end, it says that one who recites the Chandi without knowledge or proper understanding will go to the darkness of hell. Yes. What does that mean, and how does one avoid that? Uh,
0: Good question. Uh, It's really an important statement. The improper way to chant the Chandi is as a business, or to sell meditation tapes, or to sell sell your Dharma don't make it into a business if I'm the priest of the temple and say you give me five coins that was our traditional Dakshina uh, panchika they called it which turned out to be a rupee and a quarter if you give me a rupee and a quarter which today is worth about 1.2 pennies maybe if you can do the math uh, then I will sing the chandi for you, and the goddess will change your karma because of my devotion. I am enhancing my ego because of my improper understanding, and I'm abusing the tool. And if I abuse the tool, it won't work for me. And if I I don't sharpen my tools and use them for the proper purpose, uh, then they won't work for me. If I abuse the chandi and use it as a tool for earning my livelihood, what will I use for giving up my selfishness? And that's the improper understanding. If I'm a priest, my privilege is to guide other people how they can come closer to chandi, how they can do it for themselves. Not for money. I'm going to do it for you, and the goddess loves me more than she loves you, and therefore she's going to give you the fruit of my karma, and she won't give you the fruit of your karma. Blackwash. It's nonsense. It's it's only for gullible people. You can buy indulgences right over here. Can't get to heaven without a donation. Same theory. That's the improper understanding. Now, the proper understanding is, Mom, I'm a kid, I'm a child of God. I'm your kid, and I'm trying to learn how to do this. I don't understand it because I'm starting to learn. But you'll you'll appreciate that I'm making an effort to come closer to you. It's not that I have to do it perfectly the first time I look at the material. It's impossible. But the improper understanding is, I know it! And I'll do it so nicely that she will bless me with changing your karma, and you give me money, and I can earn a livelihood. That's
1: only for the gullible. Yes, please. We have a question from Swarupananda in Seattle. Namaste Swarupananda! Pranam, these battles are so intense, and Mother doesn't seem to take prisoners. How do we let mother fight the battle without becoming attached or affected by the destruction, or is that even desirable? Uh, It's not desirable, because in chapter 4 we heard that being
0: purified by these weapons and battles, all the Asuras go to heaven. Otherwise, we'll kill them, they'll come back in another form, and they'll change their form, they'll take birth again, and they'll come back and perplex us some more. So it is very, very, very advantageous to us to send them to heaven by letting them meet their demise with mother. Now remember that the battle's going on here. The battle's going on here. I am striving to contain my mind. My mind wants to flee. It will go to London, Paris, Rome, and New York in an instant before I even have a chance to say, please come back here. Now, uh, that is very intense. That's even more intense than having mother come and cut off his head. But what a way to go. I mean, if you're going to do it, you might as well let mother come and just take the thoughts away. So if I see the thoughts meeting their demise at the hands of the mother, then what am I thinking about? mother and if i think about mother she's taken the energy from the thoughts and she's given it to the gods and soon uh, the gods will be rejoicing and i can sing and dance and, and act like a rishi that's just how Chandi works she takes the when we pray to her with sincerity we will pay attention to her and the thoughts will knock on the door and there's no one home. And the thoughts say, Swami, come on out with me. You can come and play. I've got a great itinerary for this yatra. This journey can be, we, we can go all the way around the world. And I say, Mother, would you please take the energy away from that thought? And you caused the demise of that thought. And then
1: my mind will stay here with you. That's how it works, Waru. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Julia Ma. Namaste. Did you say last week that energy does not feel, but she responds? In these chapters, she's acting on her own initiative, laughing throughout, having a good time. So she seems like she's feeling. Can you help me understand? Energy does not have any judgment.
0: (laughs) It just flows. And it flows to the places where the most attention is placed. So she doesn't say, this is good thought, that's a bad thought, this is a, this is a nice thing. This is a, she just, wherever we focus our energy, wherever we focus our attention, our energy goes there. So she doesn't make any judgment. Not that she doesn't feel, but she's free from judgmental nature. She doesn't qualify or categorize. She just flows towards the object of our
1: awareness. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti. Namaste, Sadhana Shakti. Pranam. Since some of us have spent so much time going to the movies, do we have to spend the same amount of time praying to the goddess to get evened out? <laughs> probably more. <laughs> probably more time. It
0: doesn't happen in an instant. We are habituated to going to the movies. Some of us call it meditation. Others call it daydreaming. There are many kinds of meditations. Uh, So, yes, I can't tell you how long it will take you to fall in love, but I can sure see who has fallen in love and what they do with that love and how it manifests in their lives. The validity of any spiritual experience is the change that it creates in the experiencer. And once you've had that experience, you make the change and you accept it willingly and lovingly and joyously. And you make your Commitment with a capital C. So liberation doesn't mean freedom from commitment. It means freedom through commitment. Mm -hmm. Once we make that commitment, we honor our word. Because I have to understand that if I can't trust me, who else am I going to trust? Who will I believe if I know I'm going to tell the n- not honor my commitment? If I can't tell the truth, then who else can?
1: We have a question from Sanatmananda. Yes, Sanatmananda. Namaste. Namaste. The goal is to change ourselves, not others. Yet, by the design of the tradition of the Devi Devuandir, we place a lot of value on empowering others and not just sitting on the mountain top. How are we supposed to empower other, other people without doing the amount of sadhana that you did? Why aren't we traveling around the forest of India for three years doing the Khazan Puja and the Chandi?
0: <laughs> because you've got to earn enough money to buy a ticket. <laughs> you, can't, you can't just get stow away on the plane. <laughs> It's too cold. (laughs) Uh, You won't be comfortable. Uh, Now get a ticket to India and get some savings so that you can support yourself for a time while you do sadhana, And get all the provisions and get a nest egg so that when you come back to America or if you ever do you won't become a burden to anyone else. And then, you can go wherever it's appropriate and do the sadhana that's appropriate. It doesn't have to be in India. It could be. It's a beautiful place to do sadhana. There's a tradition that aids and abets and supports it, but it's not the same as it was forty years ago, and it's certainly not the same as it was five thousand years
1: ago. We have a question from Swarupananda. Yes, Swarupananda. Can you elaborate on the significance of the dhyanams at the beginning of, beginning of each chapter in the vinyogas at the beginning of each episode? Yes, the yogas contain a, a statement of uh, intent. How
0: do we intend to apply these? Uh, the the knowledge in this episode and it states the deity and the rishi who discovered who realized this the chando what's the bhavana is this the, the beginning of your search is it the middle of the search is it towards the c- climax or, or they're all going on at the same time so you know, what is the chando what is the vibration what is the rhythm what is the meter uh, and then it tells you what kind of energy this has and what kind of uh, A a pin binds it together. And what is the application of these mantras in your life? Now, each chapter is presided over by a specific form of the goddess. And that is the form of the goddess or the bhavana of the goddess or the bhavana, of the attitude of the chapter that you're going to realize by causing the demons of that chapter, those asuras, those thoughts to meet their demise with the goddesses who come to defeat them in those chapters. For example, in chapter 9, we're going to have all the nine durgas coming uh, uh, to defeat self-deprecation. Uh, now, they're not defeated by one goddess. Uh, they're, 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 all nine Durgas come to battle with self-deprecation. Uh, and in chapter 10, of course, we have the final battle between Chandi and the great uh, uh, self-conceit. So each chapter is presided over by a goddess who gives us the bhavana that we're going to realize
1: when we slay the Asuras of that chapter. We have another question from Vivekananda. Yes, please. Namaste. How can I lose the natural fear of letting Kali devour my mind? It seems that whenever she gets close to me, no matter how insanely I love her, my mind freaks out and experiences fear. How can I make a deal with her that she will eat my mind even if I'm afraid? That's the big question, (laughs) that's the big question. We have to
0: give her our devotion and our attention and continually pray to her that when we come to the precipice and we're just going to enter into samadhi and she's going to take away the duality and she's going to take away the ego, there is a tendency of the ego to say, stop! What, what will happen to me if you take away the ego? That's the whole battle. The whole battle. If, if, if she says, I, you're, okay, I purified you, I took away your anger, I took away your passion, I took away your... I took away all your repose, all your limitations, all your... Your sinful eyes and your oceans and your, your, your rock beaches and all the asuras that come to perplex you. I have destroyed them. Now I'm going to take away your sense of I so that you could be me. Can't be me as long as you're you. <laughs> Sorry, doesn't work that way. No, no, no. you got to become me in order to be me. You can't be you. Now, all you can do, Vivek, is keep praying to her. Poise, let me trust you enough so I can surrender. And yes, you can have me. Really, I don't want me anymore. I'm I'm sitting in this temple praying and ringing the bell every day because, not because I want to enhance my ego, but I really want you to take him away. I'd love to become you. You got it. You got it together, lady. You're you're neat. You're a number 10. You got a yellow sari and a red border. And here I am, all in orange. (laughs) You got the buff. You get up and you cook and pray and cook and pray and cook and pray. (laughs) And And feed people and feed people. I I don't want to be me anymore. I'd like to be you. Now, that's the prayer. Yo, who can defeat me in the battle and make me sit still who can surrender all of his self-conceit to me all of his concept of me all of his eye all of his ego who can see all the energy all the force all the shakti all the all the strength of the universe as one within me. I am the source of all strength. He will be my husband. Now, can we do that? Or we keep saying, wait, 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 stop. <laughs> don't take me. I know I'm praying to be taken, but don't take me today. <laughs> Maybe tomorrow I'll be ready to go. Maybe just for a little bit so I can come back and tell everybody what it's like. (laughs) I'd love to sit in the kitchen and talk about my samadhi. (laughs) Wouldn't that be fun?
1: We have a question from Ambika.
0: Namaste, Ambika. Namaste, Sham. We missed you at the beginning of the program, but we're glad you're here now.
1: (laughs) Namaste, Swamiji. Before we even utter one single mantra aloud, what can we do as preparation to increase our bhava and quiet our mind? Take a bath. <laughs>
0: Cleanliness is next to godliness. Take a bath. You see, every time I come to the temple, I take a shower. Every time I sit for meditation, I take a shower. But Nothing. Just, just she can say, I love you, mom. You can say, I love you, mom. <laughs> Dispensation. You save the water and save the soap. Ah, listen to mother. I love you, mom. That's easy. But if you ta- do something regularly before you meditate, before you pray, before you worship, so that you put yourself in the bhava, in the attitude of worship. Oh, well, there's something you can do. Ah, uh, uh, for me, I, I grew up on the banks of rivers, so <laughs> it was easy
1: to jump in the in the river, come back and and start the poocha. We have a question from Laurie in Calgary. Namaste, Laurie Ma! Namaste. How do we handle the experience of falling in love and then at other times the ego coming forth due to samskaras? How do we best handle this variance? Well, try to be as humble as possible.
0: When you've got that ego, you know that ego's going to come and take away your divinity. And Laurie, the best thing we could do is be like a child and be as humble as possible. And if somebody says, okay, here's the sign, your ego's out of control, <laughs> stop <laughs> and get back into control. Don't respond with ego and say, whose ego is telling my ego that your ego is better than my ego? And, Don't respond with anger. Respond with gentility and humility. and Put yourself in the bhava of negotiation instead of confrontation. Look for how you can come together
1: and really be a lover. We have a question from Nanda. Namaste, Nanda! While we cannot chant the chandi for another person to remove their bad karma and make ourselves money, can we... Can we chant to remove their bad karma and make a difference in their lives? Or is it considered interference with another's karma? Please help me understand if the chandi is to be used for only my transformation, or if it can be used to help alleviate another's situation without personally profiting by it.
0: Every time you chant the chandi nanda, everyone in the world, even those people in china and japan everyone in the world even the russians on the ukrainian border they all benefit you are putting out positive energy and good vibrations into the world there is no question that everyone benefits when anyone chants the chandi in fact all the sadhus of the shakti path all around the world have a contract that at, in every moment of the 24 hour period at least one of us will be chanting the chani and I appreciate every time you do it because that's one less time that I have to be <laughs> on duty <laughs> but every one of the sadhus everybody who picked up the chandi even once has the obligation to be chanting it at least sometime during the day all of us around the world because we keep balancing remember dharma adharma atman manasay homam homi shwa. dharma and adharma are both oblations to the divine fire We've got to keep offering the dharma in, in accordance with how much all dharma people are offering. <laughs> we got to keep the balance. I mean, they're throwing all, out all their all dharma and they're saying, okay, be egoistic and be desirous and demand and be selfish and yeah, i got to get more for me. And we have the obligation as chandi worshipers to say, we, my goal is to surrender me. And so the, the, Dharma and Adharma are Hobib, are the offering to the deep to the divine fire. Atman manase, through thru Cha. The, my soul is offering my mind. My soul is offering my mind. A home able, home. I alone exist. And I am offering to me. Juhomi Swaha. And with that offering I make swaha. So we have this contract. All the sadhus have to offer, use our soul to offer our mind and all the thoughts in the mind to the divine fire. And in reality, it is I who is offering to myself. Jew, homi Swaha. Yes, please. One. Shivani.
1: How, I feel like the, these thoughts are demons, you know? We call <laughs> <these> demons. <laughs> I wrote a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> but, but also, like, we, we will spend so long praying for Divine Mother, and we don't really have her darshan. And... And, but they just get to go right up to
0: her. They're yeah, yeah, right up to her and she goes Hoon! and she turns them into ashes and sends them to heaven.
1: So it seems like
0: they're like they're really blessed. They right? sure are. Let's send in the same way we'll send all the thoughts to heaven and thinking thus your every thought will be beautiful.
1: We'll be blessed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yes please. We have a question from Julia. Namaste, Namaste. Julia, Namaste. I still don't get it. Are Chamunda and Chandika different or the same?
0: There is only one goddess of the universe. They are all one. They are all different manifestations of each other. You're one woman, we call you the daughter of your mother, the mother of your daughter, the sister to your sister, the spouse to your your spouse, the teacher, a, a, a dishwasher, a cook, a chauffeur. you have so many names depicting so many functions and so many relationships and so many appearances. You wear a fancy dress to the ball and you wear a ball gown, and you wear a beautiful dress to the wedding, a wedding dress, and you wear a, 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 a tennis shorts to the tennis game, and you wear a swimming suit to the swimming, and you look differently in every appearance, in every form. When you're called by a different name, you have a different appearance, Chamunda is the destroyer of anger and passion. And Chandi is she who tears apart thought. Now, you got to give up your anger and passion so you can give up the rest of the thoughts. So, Chamunda is one of the expressions of Chandika. Yes, please. Um, for a long time, I've
1: been kind of struck by the difference in how easy it is in the book. That the, these whole armies of thoughts—they just meet demise like that. Yeah. And and then we we chant again and again. Yeah. So I'm kind of wondering, um, is it is it more difficult for us because we're not actually truly calling out to her with a hundred percent sincerity? Yes, it is,
0: and that's why the thoughts come back the next day or the next moment. No sooner do we complete the chundi pot and make the RT than I'm thinking, okay, I gotta go to the kitchen and I gotta go clean the this and I gotta go do that. I'm gonna chop wood and carry water and I gotta work and I gotta work on the website and I gotta turn on my computer. I gotta. We didn't really send the thoughts to heaven. We did temporarily, they got to go there so long as we were chanting the chandi. And then we stopped chanting the chandi and started thinking about me. And the object is not to stop chanting the chandi.
1: Because
0: as soon as we stop chanting the chandi, you're gonna think about something. Who are you gonna think about? Well, you might think about me but you don't. You think about you. And if you think about you, you got all the assurances right back again. If you thought about guru, if you thought about God, if you thought about teaching, if you thought about the goddess, the divine mother in your life, I'm going to make puja again. Let's get everything ready for the next puja. Let's go out and serve the devotees. Let's go cook for God. Let's go serve God in the form of all the beautiful people who came to the temple today. If you had those thoughts, then the asuras wouldn't have any place to come back to? The seat's taken. Sorry. (laughs) It's just musical chairs. There are not enough chairs for the assurers to sit. (laughs) Go in the kitchen on Sunday and you'll see there's not a place for for everyone to sit. Somebody's going to stand outside holding the plate. Now, if you want to think about the mother. And you think about God and think about the privilege that we had to share the chandi with Ma. In a temple like this on the top of a mountain away from the maddening crowds, the privilege that we get, the opportunity that we get to live in such an environment, if you would think. These guys came all the way from bengaluru The holiest city of... <laughs> They came all the way to the Devi Mundir to worship in this kind of an environment to be with people like you because of your inspiration. So, wouldn't you want to turn around and show them why it was so worthwhile for them to make this journey? Or would you rather go in your room and close the door and turn on your computer
1: and think? Or whatever. Yes, please. We have a question from Sadatmananda. Yes, Sadatmananda. Why is Kali known as the slayer of passion and anger? In the text, it sounds like Chandi strolls up to those two thoughts and kills them. Well, she took the form of Chamunda. So it's a form of Kali, it's a form of Chandi, it's a
0: form of, but she's holding the two heads and Chandi says to Kali, I'm calling you Chamunda because you slayed anger and passion. Now, (laughs) And that's like you you're like like me walking up to you and say i'm calling you sadatmananda because you're no longer joshua uh, yeah, i you, you you're a pure sadhu you are the pure atma of bliss you're the pure the soul of bliss in truth that's who you are Now that doesn't mean you cease to be Joshua when you go home and you cease to be Sadatmananda when you come here. It just means in addition to, (laughs) you are called by many names, mister. I'm going to write the thousand names of Sadatmananda. And I'll bet you I can come up with a thousand names. He who is never late to breakfast, he who is he was always eating lunch, whose refrigerator is always open, who never washes
1: a dish. We have a question from Sadhana Shakti. Yes, Sadhana Shakti. As we continue to chant the Chandi, do the thoughts dissolve in the order that they are destroyed in the chapters? No!
0: No, they keep coming back. They keep coming back. In any way they want to come back, they can come back. They are not required to come back chronologically as according to the table of contents. They come back of their own. They are the masters of the free worlds. And we are all servants of the thoughts. And they will come whenever they want. All we can do is say, Mother, help. I got more thoughts. They came back. And the louder and longer and stronger with greater intensity that we say, Mother, the more inclined she is to look over our way. Just one glance gives us enough strength Mm -hmm. to remember our divinity all day long.
1: Mm -hmm. Om Sam Saraswati Namah Namaste. (laughs)